It's a new week, and I'm ready to put that weekend behind me, I tell you what. Tanner Hoops with you in the sports pen. Glad that you're with us, and I'm joined by somebody in studio today. It's not Thursday, but Jake Duran of Local 3 is in with me, and he's here on his revenge tour because the stars aligned for Jake in a football sense this weekend. Marquette Senior High School won the conference title outright for the first time since 1976, and they clinched a spot in the postseason, as we found out last night. Then Saturday, an absolute demolishing of Notre Dame in Ann Arbor, and last night the Packers win on primetime. Plus, I think your fantasy team's doing pretty good, huh? Good weekend for you. You know, I went 3-0 and in fantasy. I think our pick I'm pretty sure I, I nailed you all my well. picks. It, it, it just... It's one of those weekends where everything, all the stars aligned. I just couldn't pass up the opportunity. I couldn't wait. I had to get into the studio here today on this this fine Monday. You know, I'm feeling great for a Monday. It's it's a it's a good day. I have a lot to be proud of of all the teams I root for. And you know, it's one of those those things. I woke up this morning. I turned on the TV. You go to your you know national sports talk shows, and you just sit back with a cup of coffee and just bask in your glory. And that's what I did this morning. And you know, I'm I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. And, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's going to be a good week. I did the same thing here, except my coffee had tears in it. Yeah, I was still reeling from Saturday night, Notre Dame, Michigan. You have the floor. You Just just let me have it. Let me eat my crow. You know, as much as I really want to just, just dig into you right now, <laughs> um, I must say, um, I, I wish I, I, you know, obviously it was a great win. I watched the game. Um, weather was a big factor. I, I, I do wish that. There wasn't as much rain. Granted, both teams had to deal with the exactly. rain. It wasn't like no excuse. it wasn't like it just started raining when Notre Dame had the ball. Uh, Michigan just was able to run the ball better with with Charbonnet and um, the, uh, Hopkins, I think. Oh, Haskins, Haskins. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a big game. Uh, and then when they needed to pass the ball, they were able to you know make some plays here and there. Ian Book is that is that his name? Ian That's Book his name. He was absolutely trash. He was bad. That it was, he like, was really bad. Like, and, and even when he was making throws to his receivers, his receivers couldn't catch the ball. It no. was just their offense looked absolutely terrible. And and like I said, as much as I, I really do want to dig into you, um, I'm not really. I haven't really been excited about this team. <laughs> and and it seems like every time I I just lose all you know excitement, all passion for the Michigan Wolverines. They go and and have a big win. And even then, I was like, oh great, like this is a good win. But it doesn't matter. We already have two losses. We're not getting into the college football playoff. It's nice to have bragging rights over Notre Dame for the next 14 years mm-hmm. when. And they play next, apparently. So um, it, it was a good win, but still a disappointing season. I mean, it, it, when you look at the bigger picture, I'm still not happy with it. I know Michigan fans out there, they're happy with the win, too. But it was just one of those things where it's like, it's kind of like the Green Bay game. Happy with the win, mm-hmm. but it was like, it wasn't, I can't really brag about it. You know what I'm saying? So um, good win there. It, it's, it makes the Ohio State game a little bit bigger, I guess, a little bit. Um, but Michigan still has a shot to lose a couple more games this season, so I can't really get too high on it. It was a great win, obviously in front of the home crowd there at the big house, and anytime Michigan can beat, beat a program like a historically good program in Notre Dame, it's a good thing. And like I said, the next 14 years, I, I can talk smack to you whenever I, I want. You know, I, that, I think that's what makes it it makes it better. It's not just the recent, like today I can talk, or all week. It's it for the next over a decade, Tanner, I can just – Kind of be like, hey, remember when Michigan played Notre Dame last <laughs> six years ago? Remember that beatdown? You know, I, I got those bragging rights. And I'll be able to remind you that because of that, you'll be stuck with Harbaugh for the rest of your life. That's, so even when Michigan wins, they lose. Exactly, exactly. And that's what I was going to bring up. It's it's kind of just bringing that whole thing where it's like, well, maybe Harbaugh is the guy we want to keep around, you know? No, he's not. Uh, we were kind of pushing him <laughs> out the door, and now he's fighting fighting back to try to get back into the house. And, uh, yeah, it, it might maybe have saved him a little bit longer. Who knows? Um, you know, I'm fighting back and forth with, with mm-hmm. this because sometimes I, it's just like, all right, I want Harbaugh gone. I want to bring someone in here. And like we discussed, uh, I think it was last week, it's like who really are or is Michigan going to get that's mm-hmm. going to take it to the next level? Is there somebody out there that can come in and take what's already there? And I'm not saying like it has to be like right away, but without having some down years, bring them to the next level. I don't think there's anyone out there um, who's elite in the coaching standpoint, like like maybe a Ryan Day from Ohio State who could sure. just easily come in. They don't have, Michigan doesn't have a Ryan Day on their coaching staff who's been there and knows what's going on, who can just step in and it's seamless. They're going to have to bring a guy in that's going to have to kind of do it his way, you know, install his culture there and, and his, how he wants things done. And it's going to take time. So um, I don't know. It's, I'm fighting back and forth with a good win. 
Yeah, that's all I really got to say about that. To your point, I don't know that anyone really has an assistant like Urban Meyer had in Ryan Day, and we can have a really interesting discussion as far as which college coach produces the best assistants, who has the best coaching tree, because you think about it, you know, Michigan's best assistant is Gaddis, Don Brown, and neither of them are going to be head coaches here anytime soon. Nick Saban may be the most successful college football coach of this generation. We just saw his assistant, uh, actually both of his offensive coordinators, I guess they shared those roles here in the last couple of years. Both of them are now gone. Dan Enos is with Miami right now. They're not a very good football team offensively. And Michael Oxley is at Maryland, and it looked like they were starting to do well, and Maryland certainly tapered off since then. You know, even Dabo Sweeney, you know, he really doesn't have an assistant that stands out. Brett Venables is the only one that does, but he's made it clear that he's going to spend his life as an assistant. He doesn't have any desire to go out and be a college head coach somewhere. So it makes you wonder who has that kind of that kind of power to have a good coaching tree, to be able to produce assistants who can go out and take a program to the next level. Right. And, uh, I mean, a lot of that has to do with with the the players that these assistant coaches are working with under, you know, the Nick Sabans and stuff. You can make mistakes, and these players are still going to produce because you're getting the top recruits. When, when these guys are taking college jobs, they're not the most flashy jobs. They're not, you know, the big-time programs where recruits are going to just be rolling in. You know, you got to go in, you got to recruit guys, and then you got to really build it. And, and it's not as easy when you're the main guy as, a part, as opposed to an assistant who's just part of a big machine. You now have to go in and, and head, head the machine and, and get guys in. So um, a lot of coaching f- flaws are covered up by really good talent. And obviously you're, you're under uh, all those guys you named are legendary head coaches who know what they're doing and have been doing it a long time. Um, you can kind of get away with some things that, that you can't get away necessarily with when you're the head guy at a different college program. Um, and, and, and it's just a lot different as an assistant to a head coach, more responsibility. you got to keep track of different things. You're not just focused on one group um, and things like that. And some guys, they're able to do it, for, but for the most part, you kind of see guys, especially when it's their first job, um, it's kind of overwhelming, and, it, and it's a lot tougher than, than people think. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of like, like you said, Ryan Day was just a guy that, you know, that program, Ohio State knew who they had for mm-hmm. a few years. You know, they, they knew – you know, when Urban leaves here, Ryan's next to take the job. So um, it's just interesting. Uh, and, and, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I don't really bet on assistant coaches at high-profile universities going and being su- successful right away because, I mean, like you said, history shows it doesn't happen. I think a lot of the major programs, and I'm thinking about some of the coaches that have gone on to take head coaching jobs elsewhere, take high-profile jobs elsewhere, and I think there's a case to be made for Brian Kelly's coaching tree, as bad as that sounds. You know, and people know I am not crazy about Brian Kelly by any stretch. But the assistance that he's produced the last couple of years, you think about it, uh, Chuck Martin was the offensive coordinator when they went to the national championship game, and he's turning around slowly, but he's turning around a Miami, Ohio team that was 0-12, I think, when he inherited them. Harry Highstead is now the offensive line coach with the Chicago Bears, and offensive line certainly is not where their flaw lies. And maybe the biggest one from the Brian Kelly coaching tree is Matt LaFleur. Now, I would rather have Matt LaFleur than Brian Kelly at Notre Dame right now. Oh, definitely right now. Would you have said that prior to the season? Yes. Yeah. I was never happy about the Brian Kelly hire. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, Brian Kelly's an interesting guy. Every time I hear Brian Kelly, I automatically think of Chip Kelly for some reason. I don't really know. Um, yeah, Brian Kelly, is, is he's not the best coach, man. No, he's he, not. He can't really win those big games. No. I mean, he's um, he's taken the program a step forward from right. where he found it, but are they going to win a national championship with him? Absolutely not. You know, he's he's not at the point where you're going to fire him because, you know, he's done things that other coaches haven't done, mm. which is get to a national championship, get into the college football playoff. But is he ever going to win that? No. Mm. And if that's your standard, which it should be at Notre Dame, you might have to look elsewhere. But again, who are you going to hire? Where right. are you going to get this better? Exactly, and and that's what when you're talking about moving on from a coach or you know wanting a coach to step down and things like that, you got to really kind of look at the bigger picture and be like, all right, well we can deal with you know still being competitive and mm-hmm. potentially um, each year having a shot at winning your conference or you know potentially like I'm, I'm just thinking of Jim Harbaugh like each year potentially they could their ceiling is making it to a college football playoff and. Mm-hmm. and and competing for a national title with, with Jim Harbaugh. Now, 
it hasn't happened. Obviously, he's underperformed, and uh, the results are a little underwhelming. But um, there's still that optimism each year that because Jim Harbaugh is the quarterback or b- because he's the head coach, there's a shot. You have an outside shot. When he's gone and you get someone else in who is with less experience and, and hasn't shown that he can do it, then you're kind of just like, all right, well, you know, it's it's not going to be great. This guy has to learn. He has to build this thing. So um, I think that's one thing as a Michigan fan. I, I feel every single year the Wolverines can at least make some noise, and if they reach their true potential with the recruits he gets, Jim gets in there and things like that, like if, if everything goes according to plan, if the stars align per se for once in a season, they can potentially battle for the Big Ten Championship, beat Ohio State, and go on for a, uh, and compete for a national title. So there's always that shot, and I think that's what I kind of go back to. It's like, okay, he's underperformed, but if at one of these years he gets it together, and it's, it's all hope, it's all mm. trying to just be a just a hopeful fan, but um, yeah, I mean, you hope that's the case, and and I think it's the same thing with Brian Kelly. I mean, they're going to compete. Mm. There's a chance that they can go to the the college football playoff, but every year they just underperform. I tell you what, all jokes aside, you look at what Harbaugh went through this week, where people were talking about his future at Michigan. Someone said that he was developing an exit strategy, and he was there to make a statement. He let that fire burn into his game plan this weekend, and he completely out coach Brian Kelly who had a bye week to get ready for this and there was not one facet of the game on Saturday where Michigan did not play excuse me did not outplay Notre Dame and I, I give him a ton of credit I thought Notre Dame would go there and win a close one I thought it'd be a hard-fought battle and it was anything but and if Harbaugh can bring that kind of fire every game I think I think that is peak Jim Harbaugh Michigan football what we saw on Saturday night the question is does he have that fire every game yeah, I mean, and it, and it really, you know, players feed off of that. You know, when Jim Harbaugh's that that fiery, passionate guy, um, you know, the players react and they they kind of mirror their coach, and and that's one of the things people were saying: Has Jim lost that passion that he once had? Um, you know, has these losses taken their, their toll? Is he kind of just going through the motions now? Does he have an exit strategy to get out? Um, are these players kind of feeling that vibe in the locker room, possibly? Um, and I think I think with any great coach, any great player, um, you know, you need a sort of a chip on your shoulder, a little bit of an edge, something that kind of gets you going. Um, and I think maybe that kind of got Jim Harbaugh going. It kind of revived him a little bit, and and his players kind of felt, you know, that finally a little bit more of that edgy, passionate Jim Harbaugh who wants to go out and and, and just dominate their opponent. And they did just that. You saw Michigan's offensive lineman drive that guy out mm-hmm. of bounds. 30 yards downfield, yep. then pancake him out of bounds. No flag was called. Right. You know, whatever. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it was it was a good performance. I tell you what, before we hit the break and we go on to the NFL, let's update our pick em. I tell you what, it was kind of a mixed bag for me this week. I had Minnesota and Green Bay correct. I went with Chicago, who should have beat the Chargers. But Eddie Panera, we've got some audio from Matt Nagy coming up in the next segment. And I, for whatever reason, thought Carolina had a shot against San Fran this weekend. That far from worked out. Hey, didn't you go on national radio? Yep, and... Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. Friday. Yep. yep. Go look and win. Go. Nice. <laughs> I tell you what, you moved into a tie for second place with Ryan Steak. I still got a three-game lead on you guys. You're at 23-16. and 16. You had Minnesota, San Fran, Green Bay, and the Chargers. So you went 4-0. You got a chance for a 5-0 week if the Steelers can win tonight. We all pick the Steelers, so yeah, I think the Steelers have a have a good shot. I don't know, maybe. I don't know. They're pretty bad too. Are you gonna Are you gonna actually watch that game? Honestly, oh yeah. What else am I gonna do on a Monday night? That's true. That's true. I actually have, and I want to say I have Juju starting one of my fantasy leagues, but I already <laughs> won the league without him even playing. So really, I have nothing to watch. Us. Yeah, who's gonna guard him? Minka Fitzpatrick. Oh wait, he's on the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, John Michael Hofling uh, moved ahead, moved into fourth place at 22 and 17. Tyree Smith is 21 and 18. And again, all of us picked Green Bay to win tonight. Excuse me, all of us picked Pittsburgh to win tonight. We all picked Green Bay to win last night, too. But our standings aren't going to change because of tonight's results. Let's take a timeout. Let's break down the NFL from yesterday on ESPN UP.
Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad you're along this Monday afternoon. We've got NFL games to break down, as we always do to start the week. And we have a lot of angry people in the NFL after yesterday. And we've got some audio for you. I just love this. I'm excited to get to it. So let's go through it game by game. Seattle has... Had an early lead, almost blew it. They hang on to beat Atlanta 27-20 as Russell Wilson continues his march for an MVP. Atlanta just continues to unravel before us, and Dan Quinn is just not going to last much longer. No, and you know every year you have one of those teams where uh, a lot of people, a lot of you know media members and, and fans think they're going to have a really good season, and then everything crumbles. And I think I don't think anyone – I mean, you talk about the Browns. People thought the Browns were going to be really good, but there was also those people are saying – you know, there's a chance this could this could really blow up. Mm-hmm. With Atlanta, everyone was like pretty sure Atlanta was going to be pretty pretty darn good. Oh, yeah. And you just see it unraveling before our eyes, and it's 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 fun to watch if it's not your team. But yeah, Dan Quinn's it's not looking good for him. The Eagles with a bounce back win, thirty one thirteen. They light up a pretty good Buffalo defense, and I was excited to see that one because dating back to last season, the Bills have lost three of their last ten games. Those three losses, one yesterday to the Eagles, the other two to the Patriots. So that was a good litmus test, I think, for Buffalo, although they didn't really pass it. No, no. And, and yeah, Buffalo was only only had one loss entering that game, but I wasn't really sold on them no. just yet. I think Orlando Skandard really lit the, lit the fire for the Eagles with what he was talking about um, last week when he talked about the Eagles locker room being just a, a dumpster fire and, and very toxic. And, um, yeah, it was a good rallying game for the Eagles. Kind of showed, like, hey, we're okay. Um, and they're still in the running in the NFC lease, so they're, they're still there. We had a last-second field goal go awry as the Chargers hang on to beat the Bears 17-16. to Mitch Trubisky put his team in a position to win. He didn't play well, but he got his team down the field and set up for a 41-yard field goal. He is still the starting quarterback of the Bears, by the way. It was announced earlier this afternoon, so... Take that for what you will. But Eddie Pinero missed a 41-yard field goal as time expired, and the Chargers won 17-16. to Matt Nagy, Bears head coach, was one of those angry people I was talking about. Here's an exchange with a reporter that occurred in the postgame yesterday. Throw the football? Yeah, I mean, just to try to get a little closer. Um, <laughs> throw the football right then and there. What happens if you take a sack or there's a fumble? Lose the game. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So no, there was zero thought of that. That's the. I'll just be brutally clear. Zero thought of throwing the football. Zero thought of running the football. You understand me? That's exactly what it was. So it's as simple as that. Could you explain again why not running the ball? I mean, what, what what was? Did I just say that? Yeah. You, yeah. What I say? The reasons. What was it? Fumble. And when they know you're running the football, you lose three or four yards. And then this might be one of my favorite audio clips we get from Matt Nagy. I know we need to run the ball more. I'm not an idiot. You know, I, I realize that seven rushes and the, the minimum amount of times, that I totally understand that. We need to do it. I never go into a game saying I want to throw the ball 54 times. You know, I would love to go into a game and say I want to run the ball 54 times. But that just, that hasn't happened. The words that come out of his mouth aside... He just doesn't sound smart when he talks. Like his voice and his inflection, he doesn't sound smart. Right. Yeah, he sounds, you know, like <laughs> like your bro. You know, you're talking to your home, your little, your friend. Your, I totally understand you know, that. Totally, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I, we talked a little bit about this um, already, but he, yeah, he just doesn't sound like he really knows what he's what he's talking no. about, and and the things he, he's saying, it's like. It's like, all right, you're saying this, but you're not doing anything about it. You know, why can't you run the run the ball more? You know, what is really stopping you? It wasn't like you were getting completely blown out mm-hmm. in the game where you couldn't run the ball. Um, and 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 obviously, as as a Green Bay fan, um, you you just love to see it. I mean, it, all off season, what was the talk coming out of Bears camp? Mm-hmm. It was trying to find a kicker, yep. kicking competitions. You know, and and the the Bears are one of those teams that just they just can't can't find a, a decent kicker and and you know when you have that type of history and and um you know you're you're setting up to kick a field goal you know fans are in the back of their head and all the players on the sidelines back of their head and Eddie Pinero's head and Matt Nagy's head they're thinking are we r- about to see this mm-hmm. happen again is this really going to happen 
and then it happens and you're just like it's it's so classic so classic and and i mean the bears are one of those teams who are going into the season i thought they were going to be one of those teams in the nfc that that really were going to have it going they were going to have that dominant defense i didn't see mitch trubisky taking uh regressing this much as mm-hmm. he has and then on top of having a quarterback that's struggling you have a, a head coach that just is just not smart no so you have all of these obstacles you're trying to overcome to win a game. It's hard enough to win a game in the NFL, but when, when the coach doesn't really know what he's doing, he's making really bad mistakes, and he seems to be regressing as a coach, then you have, obviously, your quarterback who's you know struggling mentally, uh, throwing the ball. You know, it's just not a good, it's not a good formula. And, and as you can see, um, things are slowly starting to unravel there in Chicago. A 29-15 win for the Jaguars against the New York Jets yesterday. Garner Minshew, 22-34, 279 yards, three TDs. He was not picked. Minshew mania for real yesterday. I, I honestly don't even have much to say about this game. Uh, like I said, man, you were on that Gardner Minshew train a little bit, you know, earlier. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> definitely, like, I'm seeing it now. Uh, it was against the Jets, though. You know what I'm saying? True. It was against the Jets. I got to give him credit because, you know, down there in Jacksonville, he doesn't really have a lot that he's working with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't think they have the best offensive line. No. Um, they have some solid receivers, but and you don't really. His best weapon is uh, DJ Baby uh, Chart. Do 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 do. It is. He's a good receiver, though. Yeah. I mean, he's coming on, but he's not like a you know a dominant receiver. Right. So you got to give him credit. And and the, the the touchdowns that I saw him throw, they were on the money. Yeah. You know, he was showing. He had a little a little touch on it. His accuracy was there. Um, I thought it was just kind of like a, a big, you know, not a, not a hoax, but just like a, a show. Sure. You know, he has the look. He has like the like the bro. You mm-hmm. know, your average bro had the mustache. Wore the bandanas, was working out in his jockstrap. Like I, I understood it was it was entertainment, but now he's kind of showing like, hey, I'm I'm a pretty good quarterback too. So um, I got to give you credit on that one. I tell you what, the Rams winners yesterday over the Bengals, twenty four to ten. Zach Taylor against his old team, he's still winless as an NFL head coach. That being said, the Rams still have a lot to work through. I mean, it was a win. It was kind of an ugly win. Yeah, um, they're not they're not clicking like they did last year. Obviously. Um, where it seemed like last year they had everything going for them. Sean McVay was looking like a genius. The defense was playing pretty good. They weren't really dealing with too many injuries. Todd Gurley was a, an elite back. Um, they still have talent there. Mm. They're still a team like you don't want to see them sneak into the playoffs somehow and then really start getting it rolling. Like They, they still have that potential with Sean McVay who, who can really scheme and, and, and prepare for different types of teams and things like that. And um, you know, they're just one of those teams where I'm just like, eh, you know, I, they won. Like, that, right. that makes sense. Um, but you, you, they're not getting style points. At the halfway point there, I don't think they're a playoff team. No. Coming off a Super Bowl appearance, I don't think they're going to so make it's it. It's hard. You got that Super Bowl hangover, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a real thing. I tell you what, a 31-9 win for New Orleans yesterday over Arizona. And that was a Cardinals team that was clicking coming into yesterday. Chase Edmonds just laid an egg. They did get a new running back today, though. They traded for Kenyon Drake. Yeah. He woke up a Miami Dolphin. He woke up winless, and now he has four wins under his belt. I mean, that's a little bit. That's a little bit better. He's still <laughs> staying in a warm weather climate. He's gonna be playing inside. Like, like he's got to be feeling like eh, it could be better. Yeah, but it's not not worse. Um, but yeah, it was a good game. I I, I try. I thought Chase Edmonds was gonna have another mm-hmm. big game. Obviously, he didn't. I mean, what can you say about the Saints? They have it everything you want. They have the the Hall of Fame quarterback, really good defense, really good run defense. Mm-hmm. Um, they did it without Kamara. Um, obviously, you have one of the best receivers in the league. Um, you just hope that they don't get hit with that curse in the playoffs where they mess something up or there's a, not a call happening or they're getting miracles against them. You just hope that doesn't happen again because um, you you got to think they're going to get a Super Bowl with this you would think. with what they have. Mm-hmm. You know, this window's been open, and you think. I mean, if they don't get a Super Bowl, how disappointing is that going to be? That's going to be real disappointing. I honestly think they're the best team in the NFL right now. Yeah. I really do. I think they're the best team in the NFL at this point. Latavius Murray rushed for over 100 yards yesterday. Michael Thomas had over 100 yards receiving. Drew Brees, his first game back after a thumb injury, 34-43, 373 yards and three touchdowns like it was nothing. Yeah, they just got, I mean, they got everything. They got everything you want in a team. Um, And now they just got to just do it. And we're going to see if they can get that done. Tennessee, 27-23, winners over Tampa Bay yesterday. Ryan Tannehill, I don't know if he's the Titans quarterback going forward, but 
Somebody had to win. Tannehill against Jameis Winston. It was the fighting Tannehills. The Colts 15-13 over the Broncos yesterday. And Joe Flacco was another one of those angry people throughout the NFL. He called out his own coaching staff yesterday after the game. Take a listen. We're now a 2-6 and six football team. And we're like afraid to go for it in a two-minute drill, you know. Like, who cares if you give the ball back to the guys with a minute and forty seconds left? They obviously got the field goal anyway. Once again, we're a two-and-six football team, and it just feels like we're kind of afraid to lose a game. Uh, it's third and five at the end of the game, you know. It's who cares if they have a timeout there at the end or not? You know, getting in field goal range isn't that tough. Uh, you know, so you're just putting your defense in these bad situations, and I just felt like. What do we have to lose? Like, why can't we be aggressive in some of these situations? That's kind of how I feel about a lot of the game today. So he calls out his coaching staff, and just about an hour ago, it was reported that he is likely going on IR with a neck injury. So after he calls out his coaches and criticizes them for the play calling, he goes down with an injury. Did, I mean, did he slip and fall after he got done <laughs> making those statements? Uh, I mean, are, is anyone watching that interview? Does his neck look fine in the interview? Is he really turning his head? Is he wearing a neck brace? Is something happening? I mean, I mean, let's be real here. What what really happened there? This is wonderful. Coaching staff was probably like, uh, you don't, you're not going to call us out <laughs> in the media and think you're getting away with it. Uh, it's, uh, okay, obviously the Broncos organization is in a little bit of a transition. I don't think they're one of those elite teams anymore. Obviously they got they got some moves to make. Joe Flacco wasn't the answer, and um, for Joe Flacco to come out and say something like that, he's usually a quieter guy. Mm-hmm. Obviously he's frustrated. Everyone in that organization's frustrated. They are playing the Browns this weekend here on ESPN UP, and they're another team that is kind of in turmoil right now. They fall to New England 27 to 13 yesterday. Freddie Kitchens is one of those guys that is just not going to be around much longer as an NFL head coach. Yesterday, in case you missed this, Freddie Kitchens made the decision that the Browns somehow got their way back into the game. They turned the ball over on three straight plays in the first quarter against New England, got themselves into an early hole. Suddenly, they make it a game, and Freddie Kitchens decides to punt the ball on 4th and 11. Then he decides that he wants to go for it, and he has a few timeouts, chooses not to use them. Instead, he's willing to take the 5-yard penalty, send his offense back out on 4th and 16. And afterwards, try to justify it by saying he wanted to hang on to his timeouts. I mean, Come on. I mean, you know, you, you, that five yards is a lot bigger than I think most people realize. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially on a fourth down, um, that just doesn't make any sense. It just really, it, it just, it's mind mind boggling. And um, for everything that John Dorsey did right there, mm-hmm. the players he's bringing in and things like that, um, the the two biggest things that you kind of question was. Was Freddie Kitchens the right hire? Was he the guy that is going to be able to bring this eclectic group of stars and players together and really, you know, galvanize the team and, and push them and make them elite like they, mm-hmm. on paper, they look like they are? When, you know, he was an, a coordinator for like a year. I mean, this guy, this is like a dream for coaches. You know, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm, I'm a coordinator now. Now, now I'm a head coach. What am I doing here? Am I ready for this? And you just wondered if Freddie Kitchens was the guy to, to be able to kind of bring everyone together and handle the what it takes to be a head coach. And he's just not shown that he can do that. You know, and I did like the decision to make Freddie Kitchens the head coach because you get people saying they should have kept Greg Williams. No, that is not the answer. Greg Williams is not the answer. Baker Mayfield did not elevate his game last year because of Greg Williams. Yeah, they were winning under him, but that wasn't because of anything that Greg Williams was adjusting on defense. It was because Baker took to Freddie Kitchens for whatever reason. Freddie wasn't getting in his own way last year. He was coaching like he wanted the job. Now that he knows he has the job, he's not coaching like it. And I just don't think Baker Mayfield's a good NFL quarterback. I really don't. You know, I'm I'm still a big fan of Baker Mayfield, and honestly, I think they bring in Mike McCarthy. This team's way better. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, a guy that absolutely a guy that knows how to handle talent, um, knows how knows what it takes to get it done. Obviously, he's a Super Bowl winning head coach. Um, but another thing that John Dorsey didn't really do a good job is is do anything for the offensive line. Right. Baker has no time to to get it to his weapons. No, because the offensive line is so bad. And and we talked about it. 
You got to build build the lines. That's what the strong foundation of a team. You can't go out and get a bunch of weapons mm-hmm. and not really do anything with your offensive line and things because at the end of the day, you need your quarterback to be able to throw the ball. Um, Baker's lost all confidence in his offensive line. Every time he drops back, he's he's thinking he's going to get killed, and mm-hmm. he's he's making mistakes because he's he's kind of he's doing the Sam Sam Darnold. He's seeing ghosts, and and right now it's just it's not a good mix of what's. You know what they need. They need to work on that offensive line, and they probably need to make a head coaching change. I think those two things, you do that, seems going to be way better. They actually downgraded their offensive line, getting one of those big-name pieces. They sent Kevin Zeitler to the Giants to get a, Odell Beckham Jr. That was a bit of a – I think that was like more like an ego thing. Like mm-hmm. How do you – why? It like, doesn't make any sense. Baker is one of those guys that he's got to get the ball out quick. And you can do that in the NFL. If you get the ball out quick, you can be a successful quarterback. You know, short, high-percentage passes can make up for a lack of talent. But if he is holding on to the ball more than two seconds, he's in trouble. His quarterback rating drops tremendously. Right now, he's got a lower quarterback rating than guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, Andy Dalton. Something's got to give right now, and I don't know what it is. I mean, I know that Freddie Kitchens isn't the long-term answer, and I know that offensive line is bad. I'm not sold on Baker, though. I'm really not. I'm a little bit different. We're gonna. That's a kind of a wait and see. I still think he has potential. I tell you what, Giants falling to the Lions yesterday, 31-26. to Stafford helps his team get off the schneid. They end a three-game skid, and right when it looked like they were starting to sell out, maybe the Lions have some life again as they get back to 500. Daniel Jones had a costly fumble early on in the game, got returned for a touchdown. After that, he was pretty good, 28-41, 322 yards, four TDs. He wasn't picked. And Daniel Jones continues to be a mystery for me. See, I'm I'm a little bit different. I think they they hit a home run with the hire. I think or with the 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 pick, the draft, the draft pick. Because I think Daniel Jones has everything you want. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's still young. He still has to develop, and he just has to gain confidence. But um, I think they they definitely got something there. And I would like I said, we were talking about it. I think the Giants are not as far off as as people really think. I think um, this this plan they have is kind of working so far, and and I see them being competitive uh, as as early as next year um, for the Lions' sake. I think Matt Stafford's having an amazing year. You don't want to take anything away from the Lions. They're they're fighting. They're a scrappy group, and um, it, it, you know opponents who play up against Detroit know it, it's going to be a hard fought game, and you know they know they're going to have to bring their A game because the Lions aren't going to just fold like like previous Lions teams. This is a a team that has pride, a team that that you know is tough, and a team that is is really answered the call, uh, being led there by Matt Patricia. And I like where the Lions are going. They're not that far out of the NFC North race. For what it's worth, as of yesterday, Stafford now has more passing yards all-time than Joe Montana. That's amazing. Take that for what it's worth. I tell you what, the 49ers absolutely destroy the Panthers 51-13. We'll skip that one. (laughs) Wait, why? (laughs) No, shout out San Francisco. I'm a believer now. That's crazy. I'm absolutely a believer. I mean, after last week's 9-0 win over D.C., uh, the, the Redskins, I know the conditions were ugly, but... It made me think maybe this would be the weekend that a guy in the MVP race would have a shot at knocking him off, mm-hmm. and it was anything but. It was far from that. The Texans win over the Raiders 27-24. It was a pivotal game, I think, especially for Oakland, but you have Houston trying to keep pace with Indianapolis in that division. It's costly, though, as J.J. Watt is down for the season. I tell you what, you and I had this conversation last night. J.J. Watt is one of the good guys in the NFL. He does so much for the community. He does so much for people that you know it goes well beyond football. He's a guy that had the potential to be maybe the greatest defensive player of all time, and now he has to settle for a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, I mean, it's so unfortunate. I think, what they say, three of the last four years yep. his injury or his season has been cut short because of injury. But, I mean, football, it's a sport. Injuries do happen, and, and unfortunately some players are more obsessed. What's that word? I'm susceptible. Susceptible. There we go. <laughs> susceptible um, to injuries, and, and it's 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 ter- it is it's bad because you know how do you not like JJ Watt? Mm-hmm. I, I know he you know he, he doesn't. If you're not a Texans fan, you got to still love him. He does a lot with. We need to talk about you know natural disasters. He raised so much money um, for stuff like that to just help people. Really good guy. You know he he understands his platform and and he's really good with with kids and and things like that and he's a guy you root for so um i think when when everyone saw that he would be out for the season you know that's a big hit to the league and like you said you know he had all the tools to just be one of those guys that you know you you don't see very often and and unfortunately you know for the especially for the texans 
he's out, and um, that's going to be a hard hold to fill, especially with a team who has playoff aspirations. Sunday night football last night. Packers 31-24 winners over Kansas City. Rodgers continues to make his case for MVP. He threw kind of an unintentional touchdown. You know he was throwing that ball away, no, don't you? Uh, no, for sure, because he threw it. And you know, I I turned in disgust. Yeah. You know, because he had a, he had a little bit of time. There was I was getting frustrated because his his offensive line was. You know, I talked about. It. I said mm-hmm. they have the best pass uh, blocking line in the league, and um, I think there was a, a a play where he was back there for eight seconds just yeah. dancing. And there were times when he was missing wide open players and and you know getting sacked. And those that was one of the times where I was like, come on. So he threw it right when it left his hand. I turn and I I think I might have. Because we, we watched the game. Mm-hmm. I think I turned to you, yep. and then I looked back up, and I was like, oh. I'm like, touchdown. no, Jake, look at that. Because <laughs> the, the, the tra- trajectory of the ball, it was like, oh, mm-hmm. he just definitely threw that out of yeah. bounds. Wow. I mean, if you talk about luck, if, if that's the type of luck they're getting, maybe it's just their year. But, man, that was such a good throw. Um, it's one of those wins where it's like they were supposed to win. Mm-hmm. You wish they won in a little bit more of a dominant fashion because, you know, Kansas City was missing so many players at key positions, including their MVP quarterback, Pat Mahomes. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm worried a little bit about the defense. I mean, starting the season, they look like a top-five defense. They're not, like, one of the worst defenses in the league, but they've been giving up a lot of yards to people who shouldn't be getting yards. Right. And Matt Moore looked like he was a starting quarterback last night. Well, Matt Moore was successful last night. He, he did play pretty well, but he is not Pat Mahomes. He wasn't lighting up the playing field like Mahomes does with deep downfield bombs. Instead, he was doing it mostly by getting the ball out quick, doing little check downs, high percentage passes. It worked, at least to a point. I wish we would have seen Rodgers Mahomes. I still want to oh, see yeah. that so bad. Yeah, and, and people are trying to say, oh, if Mahomes is playing, Green Bay would have got blown out in that game. I mean, each game it's different. And to be honest with you, a win's a win. Mm-hmm. And yeah, obviously Mahomes would have probably lit up the Packers, and that's fine. I don't think, I still think it would have been a game the Packers could have won. Um, like you said, Andy Reid did a really good job last night of of making sure Matt Moore didn't lose the game for them. And um, you know that that vaunted pass, Packers pass rush couldn't really get to him. I think Zadarius Smith had a couple sacks. Mm-hmm. But like you said, when you have guys like a McCole Hardman who's very underrated, he's basically. Uh, Tyreek Hill 2.0, and you got a guy like Tyreek Hill who can, you know, obviously put a lot of pressure on that defense. So Kevin King and company were were playing off because they didn't want them to blow by him. Mm-hmm. Um, and they weren't. I, I don't think Mike Pettin really wanted to blitz a lot no. because they didn't. He didn't want to give up those big plays because he knew that speed kills and and Kansas City had all those weapons. So they're kind of a, a not really a very passive game plan for Mike Pettin, which you're not usually used to seeing and it was kind of like a bend no break it was like it was kind of like a Packers defense that we were used mm-hmm. to seeing you know what I'm saying give up some big yards in the middle of the field but then really tighten it up in the red zone they did enough to yeah, a win's a win mm-hmm. and I still think even if Pat Mahomes was playing I still think it would have been a very good game I don't think Green Bay would have gotten blown out that and the fact that well going back to your point it was kind of a bend not break defensive effort that and the fact that Blake Martinez was doing his darndest to cover Travis Kelsey that's what I'm saying like <laughs> of course they're gonna they're gonna make plays but when it mattered most that defense stepped up LaShawn McCoy had that that fumble. I think that was one of the the bigger plays in the game. Absolutely. Um, So, like I said, they can give up some plays here and there. And, yes, it's kind of frustrating. But, um, you know, they've they've shown. And maybe it's just the year. But when they need a turnover, when they need a big play, when they need a fourth. And Andy Reid, when he punted it, I was shocked. Yeah. I was really shocked because, you know, I kind of, like – I'd almost was like, there's, there it is. That's yep. the game. That was it. Um, because the Packers have shown that when they get the ball back late in the game, they can really run that clock Aaron out. Jones. And, you know, five minutes to go, that's pretty much game over. Mm-hmm. So when he punted it, I was like, really, Andy Reid? Yeah. Okay. That was just un Andy Reid like. And it makes Reed-like. it wonder if he had Mahomes, would he have done that? I feel like he would have. So. You saw, you know, in Detroit, obviously it was a little bit different. It was mm-hmm. more of a desperate move when, when Mahomes was able to rush and get that rush. But when you, I don't think he trusted Matt Moore to make a play there and um instead of ending the game right there on a, on a bad play on fourth down which would have put the packers in scoring position he wanted to extend the game unfortunately that defense they were beat up they didn't have their two defensive ends i think Brashad breeland went out they didn't have kendall fuller uh they were really beat up so um, you know aaron jones was able to just feast and that's what happened Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Let's take a timeout. A little bit of World Series action plus NBA next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. 
Welcome back to the Sports Pen. Danner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad you're along this Monday afternoon. Here's your Sports Center update. The Northern Michigan hockey team is ranked 20th in the nation after sweeping Ferris State this weekend. The team is off to a 4-1-1 start, and they are in the rankings for the first time since last year's preseason poll. St. Louis Blues forward Vladimir Tarasenko is set to undergo shoulder surgery and will miss at least the next five months. And finally, 3% of the ice that makes up Antarctica is actually frozen penguin urine. That is your sports in our update. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant, oh, you man. like that update. I love I love when you just hit me with those <laughs> randoms. Um, shout out to the enemy hockey team. Yes. I mean, they, they've looked very impressive. Um, a lot of guys that we're, you know, we don't really know a lot about look like they're just absolute studs. Um, they got. I think Nolan uh, Kent got the WCHA goaltender of, goalie of the week, and Griffin Lockwood got forward, and that's after Vincent DeMay won forward of the week for two weeks straight. Mm-hmm. So a lot of young guys stepping up, and and I'm excited. We got four weekends of of NMU hockey here in Marquette, and and it's not like they they beat. Just bums, right? They're facing pretty good competition, Absolutely. so I'm not really trying to gas them up too hard early on. But I mean, you got to respect what they've done so far. I think if you ask uh, Grant Patoni this many games into the season that you're sitting at the record he's at, he would definitely take it. And um, you know, now they get to come home and hopefully puts together some good weeks. I mean, sky's the limit for this team. In, in my eyes. It, it's, I'm very excited. Very excited to see this team play. Well, I think absolutely people should be excited about this team, and they're really fun to watch play. And tomorrow is press conference day at Northern, so as always, we'll have Grant Petolny audio, including the Petolny pasta party last night. Mm. We'll talk to him about how that went. I'll come up on tomorrow's show. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, of ourselves, we've got baseball and basketball to break down, because last night the Houston Astros seemingly took a stranglehold on the World Series. Maybe not, and I'll tell you why. Because Houston... One seven to one over the Ast- uh, over the Nationals to take a three two series lead. Garrett Cole finally remembered that he is up for a contract at the end of this year. He turned in seven innings, a run on three hits, and struck out nine. He finally looked unhuman again, and Houston is on the verge of clinching, which they can do tomorrow night. It'd be their second title in three years. Here's the thing, though: we're five games into a World Series where a home team has not won. The last time that we were this deep into a World Series and a home team hadn't won a ball game was 1996. So as long as I've been on this earth. Yeah. Damn. It doesn't happen a lot. No, it doesn't and happen. And that bodes well for Washington to come back. It does. It does. Will we see it? Will we see it happen? I mean, baseball is one of those things where it's like, um, you know, the fan, I guess, you know, home court, home field isn't as important as you could say, like the NBA. It's extremely important. Um, and you know because of the momentum swings and things like mm-hmm. that, but um, it was only a matter, matter of time before yeah. Cole was able to have a, a, a good performance. And we talked about it last week. I was like, you know, I think Washington was up two nothing. I said I still think Houston's can come back and win Absolutely. this because of pitching. And and um, you know, if you're on the Nationals team, what are, what is your mindset right now? Mm-hmm. Um, you're kind of thinking, are we? Do we have what it enough to, to dominate or to, to not dominate but to actually do this thing and get it done i mean there's probably a little bit of of questioning there but um i mean if if yeah like you said i mean if if no team can win on their home field obviously uh washington is looking pretty good so it's gonna be it's gonna be good to see i want to see a game seven yep and i want to see it come down to you know the final final pitches and and uh, that would be cool to see. Well, if we do get a Game 7, we might get Max Scherzer for it. He was scratched from last night's start because apparently he's dealing with the same thing that Joe Flacco is. He had neck and back pain and wasn't able to pitch. We do have a dandy of a pitching matchup tomorrow night, though, for Game 6. We have Steven Strasburg against Justin Verlander. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. It's going to be a lot of fun. Moving on kind of quickly because I want to get to our over-under here in the final few minutes of the show. Did you watch any basketball yesterday? You know, I, I didn't. I didn't. It was one of those Sundays where I just I did did things with the family and things like that. And the only sports I really kind of paid attention to was the Sunday night football game and a little football. So um, I hear the Lakers are on a run a little bit, yep. a little tear. The biggest story out of yesterday, maybe maybe you could make the argument for Andrew Wiggins dropping 16 in the fourth quarter after just an awful first week of the year as he helps Minnesota get revenge on Jimmy Butler in the Heat, and they win 116-109. to 109. But I think the bigger story is Oklahoma City absolutely whitewashing the Golden State Warriors yesterday, 120-92. to 92. Steph Curry, comparable numbers to Dennis Schrader. Steph, 23 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Dennis Schrader, 22 points, 8 rebounds, and six assists. 
Yeah, I mean, I know obviously they're, it's not the same Golden State team. No. People were still saying, you know, they could sneak in as an 8-7 seed possibly and, 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 you know, still be a little bit competitive. But, um, you know, they just don't have that juice right now. Mm-hmm. They don't have that juice. I think those long years of, you know, getting to the finals, getting to the finals, and, and then obviously losing, I mean, it, it does hurt to lose Kevin Durant and Klay mm-hmm. Thompson. But um, I think it's kind of has it's finally caught up to them a little bit. Um, they just don't have that firepower anymore, and, and teams are smelling blood. And a lot of teams have been waiting to do this to the Warriors. And um, you know, it's it's, it's going to be a tough year for Warriors fans. You know, they're going to have to definitely um, take a little step back, come back to reality a little mm-hmm. bit, and um, realize you know we're not they're not going to be winning games as easy as they were. And um, things are it's going to be tough. Gonna and they tough. have a brand new head coach. Yeah. It's Steve Kerr's first year as an NBA head coach. Yeah, now Steve Kerr, yeah, exactly. We're the Warriors see, aren't being coached Steve, by somebody is, in the floor. Yeah, is Steve Kerr going to be able to handle it now? He's going to be put in some positions, and he might not look as good as people want to t- say he is. So um, that's interesting. And I, and I hear you know the Suns took down the Clippers. I'm on mm-hmm. that Clippers bandwagon. Huge Devin Booker fan though. Yeah, always absolutely. been a really big Devin Booker fan, mm-hmm. and he really lit it up in that Clippers game. I, was that yesterday? Or was that the, that was this weekend? Mm-hmm. I don't really know, but. Um, so shout out to him, and shout out to uh, um, Tyler Hero going back to the state yeah. of Wisconsin um, and winning against the Bucks a few days ago. Um, big win for him, obviously. I know a lot of people wanted him to stay in the state, but he ended up going to Kentucky and things like that. So there was a little bit of controversy, people booing him and stuff like that. But um, good win. I, you know, I'm not a huge Jimmy Butler fan, but I'm a Heat. I'm a per, I'm, you know I'm a closet Miami Heat fan. I like okay. for the Heat. So. All right. I tell you what, you're going to have to tell me that story during the break. When we come back, over-under with the college football top 25 lines next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any of today's episode, get caught up on demand with our free mobile app from the App Live Store, Google Play, or look up ESPNUP.com for more info. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad you're along. Every Monday to close out the show during the college football season, we take a look at the top 25 lines, the odds for the teams that are ranked, and we give you our advice on them. Jake, I hope yours is better than mine. Your advice for the listeners, if for whatever reason they decide to to use my advice. On I mean, I'm, shout out that you listen to me, but don't really listen. To me, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not going to make you, you know, make you a lot of money. There are some weeks where, you know, if I did put down the same amount of money on each game, and, uh, you know, I usually go about a little over 500 with these picks, but the last couple of weeks I have been off, and I'm thankful I didn't go down to Escanaba and just hammer a bunch of my picks here. So (laughs) I tell you what, let's see how many I get right this week, and uh, let's go through these here in the final minutes of the show. We've got Appalachian State still undefeated, and they are 20-point favorites against Georgia Southern. That game is in Boone, North Carolina, so App is at home. I'm going to go with them to take the over as 20-point favorites. I agree. Yep. Yep. Baylor is at home. They're 18-point favorites against West Virginia. That one's kind of tougher. That's a little tougher. West Virginia, they can hear in there. Obviously, they're not having a great year, but Mm what would you say? What was it? 18. 18 for Baylor. I think I'm going to go with the under on it. I think I'll go with the under, too. West Virginia's just pesky, and I'm not sold on Baylor yet. Yeah, me neither. You know, they're... Not that consistent. Mm-hmm. You could really see Baylor maybe struggling a little bit. They're going in the right direction, though. Oh, yeah. Ranked 12th in the country, the Golden Bears. Matt Rule has turned that program around. You've got Wake Forest favored by eight. They're at home against North Carolina State. Can I just pass? Yeah, that's another tough one. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like that line where it is. Yeah. And if I got to say, how about how about slightly over? I'll say if it was set at like 10. Yeah. Yeah. Let's okay. go, with that. go with that. Let's just pass, though, for the record. Uh, Michigan is on the road this weekend. They're 19 point favorites at Maryland. After what I just saw, I want to take the over on it. Yeah. I'm Will take Harbaugh that. bring that same fire? It's to a little play bit Maryland. different on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in college football, but I'll take the over. I'll on take it. the over on it. Notre Dame at home. They take on Virginia Tech, and they are 18 point favorites. I am still pessimistic to the point where I want to take the under on it, but. If I were an unbiased analyst, if I were looking at this from a totally objective perspective, I would think Notre Dame is back at home. They know that they just got their you-know-what handed to them, and they are ready to make a statement. That being said, I would take the over, but I'm still reeling a little bit. I don't know if I want to I'm, do that. I'm going to take the over, like you said, with all the because of everything you said. Plus, I don't think it's going to be monsooning like it was. All right. Um, I think that's probably just fresh in your memory. 
they're still a really good team. I'll take the over. All right, we'll go with that too. I'll go with the over on as well. Kansas State on the road as they take on Kansas. K State coming off a win over Oklahoma this weekend, and the Wildcats are seven point favorites against Les Miles and the Jayhawks. I'm taking the over on it. Me too. K State is hot right now. They're hot right now. Obviously, you you do sometimes see teams come off a big win and struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, but since it's Kansas, it's a big in-state rival, obviously. Um, like you said, they're just rolling right now, feeling good. you got to go with the Wildcats. We've got Utah on the road taking on Washington. The Utes are favored by two. I'm going to hit the upset button here. I'm going to say the Huskies get yeah, the upset. I'm a, I, like, I like Washington and, mm-hmm. and just the fact that um, you know, they just they have players. They they know how to recruit and um, they can win any game. Really, they're just one of those. Um, I love the coach up there, and um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Utah gets upset. We've got Cincinnati, 21 point favorites on the road at East Carolina. I don't know nearly enough about either of these teams to make Maybe. an accurate assessment. I'll just go with the over. It's East Carolina. Well, then again, it's on the road. Uh, you know, I might go with East Carolina in this one. You, you, you take the upset? Yeah, I'm going to take the upset. I'm going to go Pirates. with the under, but not the upset. Okay. All right, but all right, I like that upset pick. Auburn, at home, 19-point favorites against Ole Miss. I'm going to take that. Yeah? Over, yeah? Okay, I'll go with that, too, because Bo Nix, when he plays well, you know, right. which he does at times, he's spotty, he, they are a really tough team to be. Here's a good one. We've got Georgia... Taking on Florida. The game is in Georgia, and the Bulldogs are favored by five. I'm going to take the over on it. Mm-hmm. I still don't think Florida's for real. Yeah. I really don't. It's hard to win in Georgia. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, in front of that home crowd. Um, you know, we might. Obviously, Georgia's looked a little discombobulated. They have lately. You know, they haven't looked themselves. They don't really have the playmakers that we're used to them seeing. Mm-hmm. Jake Fromm's like we we were talking about. He he kind of has looked lost. He's got to figure it out. But at some point, they got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. They're too good of a team. They have too many good players. I think they'll figure it out. You I know, and I, I should say this about Florida. They're not a bad team. No. They really aren't. But let's not talk about them getting to the college football playoff. I mean, they're a top 15 team at best. Yeah. When it's all said they, and done. They've been playing well. But like you said, they kind of came out of nowhere. Right. Um, so, I'm yeah, I'm not a 100% believer in them. Um, and it's college football, man. Go on the road. You could definitely see Georgia pull it together. We have got Memphis at home. They are favored by three against SMU. I'm going to go with the upset. upset. I'm, a, I'm rolling with the SMU train. Yeah, I absolutely. like SMU. SMU's, you know, they got Bouchel, mm-hmm. uh, the former Texas quarterback, a guy that obviously played at Texas, played in some big games. Um, they got uh, some decent wide receivers, mm-hmm. um, and that defense is pretty good. So, yeah, I, I'm a really big uh, fan of F- SMU this year. They're a good team. We have got Oregon on the road at USC. The Ducks are favored by seven. That's kind of an interesting one. I Honestly, USC's I like that win. line. Do you? I you like USC. the upset? I like the upset. Okay. I think USC's going to win. I, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm. I think, just being at home and things like that. I think this is a. I'm taking a risk, but I think USC. Will well, win. and I see where the risk comes from because the Pac-12, all they do is just beat on each other. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> like 33 percent of games against the spread, the top 25 have gone against the spread. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah, you you might be talking me into that. Um, yeah, I'll do it. I'll join you. <laughs> Talk me into it. USC to, to uh, upset Oregon this weekend. And then last one we have here, Boise State favored by 16 when they go on the road to take on San Jose State. I'll go with the Broncos. Yeah. I'll do the I'll over. Over, for sure. I tell you what, it timed out perfectly as we hit the 5 o'clock hour. I appreciate you being here. I know it's not your normal day, but uh, glad to have you on for your revenge tour. What do you have going on at Local 3 to be aware of, uh, for our listeners to be aware of? Um, yeah, tune in to Local 3. Obviously today, a lot of it's going to be NFL, a little bit of NFL. We're going to hear from from uh, Matt LaFleur from the Green Bay Packers. Um, going to be sitting down with a couple NMU athletes who have some really good stories. Um, you know, We're going to have a sit-down, do an in-depth interview with these guys, and just get to learn a little bit about uh, some of these athletes. There's so many good stories, whether it be um, NMU, Michigan Tech, uh, Finlandia, uh, just to name a few. Uh, these athletes are coming from all over the world. They all have unique stories, and so we're going to sit down and, and just kind of get to know these athletes a little better. High school football starting up. we got the sports zone Wednesday night. Um, you know, we're going to take a deep dive into the, the playoff matchups and things like that, learn a little bit about their competition, um, you know, Muskegon against Marquette, yeah. things like that. That's going to be a tough game. Um, so, yeah, just a lot of stuff happening, and just tune in. It's going to be a little bit different each and every day. 
Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. That's it for us. Back on tomorrow, same time and place, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. It's my hope you join me. Signing off on ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette. Thanks for listening to ESPN-UP.